Oh, the dead don't die anymore than you or I. They're just ghosts inside dreams of a life that we don't know. They walk around. There was news today that uh, made me think of you. There was news about Eyes Wide Shut. Always uh, game for Eyes Wide Shut news. Yes, uh, Kate Blanchett is in that movie. Kate Blanchett apparently is the voice actor behind one of the women at that uh, crazy high-end uh, sex party. Okay. The, the, the one of the women who like is either talking Tom Cruise or the one who like stops the whole ritual. Like when she's in the mask. When she's in the mask. They yeah. use so so that's a body that's a model that's actually doing the acting, but the voice work is Kate Blanchett. But that character. The actress, yes. who's nude at the beginning of that, right? Yeah. I mean, why wouldn't you just let her do that part? Apparently, they they were looking for a certain kind of voice for those scenes, and uh, uh, Tom and Nicole had uh, met Blanchett. This is not long after Oscar and Lucinda, and they said to Kubrick, "Hey, you might want to meet this woman and see if you got something for her." And he's like, "Oh, well, I don't really, but uh, I'll keep her in mind." And yeah, that's her voice work. In, uh, in those scenes. Jennifer Jason Leigh was in Eyes Wide Shut and then something happened and so then like, he cut her out, out and then recast and redid it all. That's There's yeah. a reason why Eyes Wide Shut took two and a half years to finish because <laughs> yeah. uh, there was a lot of that. Welcome to wherever you are. My name is Ryan McNeil in Toronto, Canada. You are listening to episode 226 of the Matinee Cast. It's a movie-loving podcast at my movie-loving website, thematinee.ca, your home for cinematic passion and perspective. I normally have a great big flowery introduction written down, but um, I, I have forgotten it and I have thrown it away because there's been a whole like half hour conversation going on already that you find people are not even hearing. We've been talking about e-cigarettes and we've been talking about vaping. We've been talking about Billie Eilish and uh, concerts that we go to and we don't go to. And I'm thinking to myself, why isn't that the show? Yeah, it's in the ether. You know, it's, it's off in, in the it's, ether. It's gone. And, and, it, the, the thing about all of that is those are the kinds of conversations I have with today's guests and have had for uh, over 10 years now. And it's just incredibly crazy how time flies uh, because along with being a very frequent guest of the show, um, as I say, it's it's uh, a little strange to me now uh, with a lot of the movie nerd friends that I have thinking to myself that I am entering my second decade of friendship with some of you people. Right. You that's, know? And, that's and much true. of it documented – you know, sporadically too. It's it's a strange phenomenon, and and I'm happy to be part of it. Uh, you know, I kind of hope that one day I'll look back on this stuff and have morsels of of uh, not just myself, but of people who have come and gone. Um, because the show, as much as it is about movies, it's about uh, my life and my friendship. And um, in that respect, uh, today's guest is uh, someone I'm I'm happy to call a friend and. Happy to have back on this show. So he his writing can be still found in Screen Anarchy, Once Upon a Time. He was one of the voices of the Row 3 Cinecast. May it rest in peace. Uh, we are back home at Casa del Hatter today. It's a wonderful summer night. Uh, the One of the longest nights of the year, but we'll probably be talking until the sun goes down. Kurt Halfyard is here. How are you, man? I'm fabulous. Uh, episode 226, and you don't even do this every week. No, you, you do it like it every other week. Yeah, yeah. So, uh, I mean, that's pretty good. Also, 226 feels like... It feels like the number on an apartment door. That's does, what episode really 226 feels yeah, like. And unfortunately, some of the conversation is like before the door was open. <laughs> but yeah. now we go in the apartment and make ourselves comfy. Look, I mean, now, now that you're mentioning it, I think when I get to episode 237, I have to make it about The Shining. 
Yeah, yeah, you know, yeah it should be. There's going to be some of that in there. You, yeah, you started sure. it off that way. It's in my <laughs> question answer period oh, okay, here. Okay. So, yeah, there might be a little little Kubrick in there. Very nice. On episode 226, we will be discussing The Dead Don't Die, the new zombie film by Jim Jarmusch. We'll be turning the record over to play the other side. But first, we need to learn more about Kirk. This is Know Your Enemy. Oh, the dead don't die Any more than you or I they're just ghosts inside the dream Of a life that we don't know They walk around My episodes are getting longer and not because we are speaking at greater length. It's because I'm having people back more times and my recap of Mirror Enemy takes longer to get through. <laughs> so bear with me, people. Uh, Kurt is a seven-time guest. Lucky number seven. His first appearance was on episode 48, we talked about The Descendants. We learned there the first film he ever saw in a theater was The Empire Strikes Back. The last film he'd seen at the time was Vertigo. The worst film he's ever seen is Viking Massacre. The unseen classic or essential is The Sound of Music. He has since seen it. And the film he wished he made was Danny Boyle's Sunshine. Then, on episode 85, we talked about Star Trek Into Darkness. We learned the film Kurt digs and nobody else does, and I'm pretty sure this still stands, is Southland Tales. The film everybody else likes that he does not is Schindler's List. The last movie to make him cry was Catch Me If You Can. In the movie of his life, he'd be played by Will Wheaton. And the movie he was watching next was Great Gatsby. Then on episode 125, we talk about Foxcatcher. We learn the film that made his love of film turn a corner is The Untouchables. His first date movie was Consenting Adults. His sick date movie is Without a Clue. The last film to leave him speechless was Manic Nemana. And the film quote that would be his epitaph is, Fuck! Even in the future, nothing works! Then on episode 152, we talked about Hail Caesar. We film, we learned the film he likes but never wants to see again is something called Come and See. The last movie to genuinely freak him out was The Time of the Wolf. The movie that always makes him laugh, to no surprise, is The Burbs. The soundtrack he likes the most is The Sympathy for Lady Vengeance. And the film he loves but seemingly nobody else has heard of is Magic Magic. Then on episode 171, we talked about Personal Shopper. We learned that when he goes to the movies, he sits in the third row, no surprise. The, uh, if he could, he would like to go on a movie date with Ramona Flowers. The dirtiest film he's ever seen, literally, is The Proposition. His favorite black and white movie is one of his favorite movies, Full Stop, The Maltese Falcon. And the films he likes that nobody would expect him to like are Latter-day Spielberg. So The BFG, The Post, um, Lincoln, those kinds of movies. Ready Player One? Didn't see it. Oh, okay. Well, well, I'll ask you when you do see it. Last but not least, last year, we talked about Phantom Thread on episode 191. We learned that when he goes to the movies, his snack of choice is coffee and pretzels. If he could spend a day in any movie world, it would be the world of Wes Anderson, specifically uh, the Grand Budapest Hotel or the Belfonte from Life Aquatic. Uh, his favorite good scene in a bad movie is the family dinner scene in The Black Dahlia. The most violent movie he's ever seen is The Faces of Death, and the monologue that he would like to give, if he could, is Campbell Scott's speech about man's obsolescence from Roger Dodger. Okay, time for round seven, Kurt Half. Before you open up, no, though, it's before you so open up, yes, on the Spaceballs thing, yes. do you know that three intersections over, there is an ancient billboard that nobody is paying for it's just before the allen road if you right. know the geography yes. of toronto and about a year ago they scraped it off back to 1987 and it's actually in shockingly good shape 
a huge giant poster of Spaceballs, I, I did and I hope that. they never cover it up. No, me too. it's did you, amazing. Did you take a picture? I I did the first time I saw it, which yeah. was last summer. Okay, but then um, is it still there? It's still there because my son and I were leaving the city from uh, Apollo Eleven in yeah. IMAX on the weekend, and I just the city was a Pride was just finishing, and it was a gong show. So I came up that way and got on the Allen and I'm, I said to Willem, I'm like, I can't remember the street, but right before the Allen, look for the poster space balls and it's still there and it's gorgeous. That's amazing. Man, like, like weird relics. It's, it's, it's yeah. Well, it's 22 years yeah, ago. That's amazing. Holy crap. Uh, time for round seven. Um, okay. If, uh, and this actually, this question again was, uh, was originated on your show. Um, if you met a person who had never seen a movie before, what would you show them? Wizard of Oz. Really? There's just this is this answer I've also given on the show. It certainly hasn't changed. Uh, it. What do you do if no one's ever seen a movie before? Like, yeah. how do you film grammar this? You don't want to get too crazy. I mean, part of me was like, "Well, enter the void. Let's just go right on in. <laughs> Never watch a movie again." Uh, but First but the last movie. But, but the Wizard of Oz breaks you into a lot of cinematic conventions and ideas and things that they've done, and it breaks you in nice and slow. Like it brings you in. Oh, there's actors in front of screens when you see the 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 wicked witch the first time on the bicycle or whatever and then and then it's black and white and it moves into color and you you get this kind of transition throughout and it's musical and it's big and and it's fantastical uh it's 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 also you know no surprise it's a damn good movie well yeah yeah it's it's you know it's usually one of those ones it's it's there's a reason why it usually comes up as like one of the best movies ever made um, it, it's, I, I do like the fact that that film has the whole transition of black and white into color, mm. you know, it just, it, for all kinds of reasons, like number one, not a whole lot of movies were in color back then. You know, more so than you think, but not more, a lot. But not, yeah. not a, not a boatload, right? Yeah. Like, but a lot of people feel like, you know, when was the first like full color feature? Well, were, and I'm were, like, there was lots of color lots before of color they along, hit the and, features. And, and certainly just yep. the way it uses that of leaving yep. a black and white world yep. of middle America yep. into something fantastical. It's a lovely metaphor. And it's not just color. It's technicolor, oh, yeah, yeah. which is a big deal. And yeah. kind of outside of a few movies that have digitally replicated it, it's, 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 it's gone. It's gone. Yeah. And, and yet... I mean, I've watched a lot of Technicolor movies all the way up to Mel Brooks's Blazing Saddles. Yeah. I, there'll be a lot of filmmakers that just keep spiraling into this conversation. But Blazing Saddles shot in Technicolor. That's in the late 70s. Yeah. And it's got to be one of the last. Yeah. And uh, it, I mean, that movie I saw recently, it's gorgeous. I wonder, though, if, if somebody has never seen a movie, like if, if the whole musical part of it would throw them. Or if that would just become kind of well, it depends of, on your rules in this alternate universe. Have they seen stage musicals? I like, know, I just, what are the, yeah, yeah. this is in you know Danny Boyle's uh, yesterday. We're going to talk about yesterday. <laughs> like, you know what I mean? Like that the 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 Danny Boyle movie is like uh, I've only seen the trailer for it, but yeah. they're they're like well. In this universe, no one's heard of the Beatles, but somehow Coldplay exists. Like, right. well, how is that possible? Like, come on. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Now, see, now you're thinking. That's, that's Don't do that. Um, yes, never do that. You know, it, it absolutely is uh, one of the answers. It, like, it's 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 such a good answer that going forward, I may actually outlaw that. Answer. It's the definitive answer, and, and I've got a lot of those in here, so you can beat oh, me later. Yeah, um, they're really short and like. It's all good. If, if, They're you know, not debatable. Yeah, if, if we've gone this far with you coming <laughs> on the show, I got. I really got to be thankful. So, um, moving right along, this this could get interesting. Kurt Appiard, what movie best embodies your personality? 
Uh, well, my instant like not thinking response, like just like yeah. reaction response, is Ghost World. I don't know if that's the one you expected, but uh, nope. Uh, Terry uh, Zweigoff. Well, this is the best part of that answer is that on any given day, I could be any three of those characters. <laughs> so I, I, I'm very much the obsessive Bushimi character, but not always. Right. And sometimes I'm the above it all snarky piece of piece of crap. Right. Uh, that Enid often is until she hits her epiphany in the last act of the the movie. Yeah. Um, and then I can just be the I'm just going to put on a nice outfit and be a young Scarlett Johansson. I won't look that good, <laughs> unquestionably. But I really like I, I feel, I mean, obviously, Thora Birch is not an A-lister, and Scarlett Johansson is at this point. Mm -hmm. But it is actually a very wonderful and nuanced supporting performance that Johansson gives in that movie, uh, where she is playing her own age. Because she had a run there after, like with Lost in Translation and so forth, where she was always playing characters that were like six or seven years older yeah. than she was. Yeah, and now, like, I mean, now we're kind of, we're going to go to the other side of the pendulum. She's going to start playing characters that are supposed to be younger than she actually is. Oh, is that? I mean, I'm, I'm sure. Like, well, getting, getting, I mean, she's got to be in her yeah. 30s now, um, right? You know, I, I, I really do kind of, I, I do see you as a, as a Terry's wig off film sometimes. Um, that, I mean, that, that movie is uh, based on like that, that comic really. And, and all of it kind of embodies uh, much of your sense of humor. Uh, you know, this kind of gets back to what I was saying earlier of having known you now for 10 years. Um, the, I, I do like the idea that you're, you're kind of cheating with your answer and you're saying there's several characters well, in this and I could be one of them. I can tell moments, you that you know? in all three characters in that movie none of them are particularly nice and i don't no. and i'm not i i get called out a lot for not being particularly nice <laughs> uh i you're don't a, consider that a criticism you're a grouch you're you're I, i'd never say you're not nice you're you're grumpy i'm definitely my favorite line in ghost world is uh is when these uh three women have like strollers and they're taking forever and he's just trying to get through the intersection and, and Steve Buscemi's like, have some more kids already. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that's all right. Maybe yeah. you're not that nice. This is a great movie. If you've not seen that movie, if you're listening to the show and have oh, not yeah. seen that movie, um, I feel you like really, it's, really it's, it's should. Gone, it's gone back under the radar. Like it was, it was huge for several years there, but now it's, it's like 15 years or so since it was. Since I it think released. it will have aged well. It well, was out of time amazing. and place yeah, it's when it came it's, out. It's aged so. amazingly, but I, I just kind of feel like it's not as prevalent as it was. When yeah, it, it has, it has. Time moved. It's, which is also in my wheelhouse. Mm, so <laughs> very much so. Uh, what is a movie that you hated on first watch, but eventually came to enjoy? Uh, I got a couple of those. Um, okay. The first one is a very obvious Kurt answer, if you've ever listened to the Cinecast, and that is Zack Snyder's Watchmen. A movie I that I that deeply right love. If you go back and look in our archives yeah. um, of the show where we cover... It, there is not never a more hot mess of an episode <laughs> than the, <laughs> the Watchmen, Watchmen episode. episode. Oh, boy. And... Um, and I mean, I say that our show is rambly, so right, yeah, I mean, yeah. like it's saying something. Uh, well, it was one of your cartoons for a while, Matt, wasn't it? it was one of uh, one of Nat Emerald like used to do us little, little doodles, doodles, and I always had the uh, Rorschach equals Mona Lisa, which yeah. Anyway, but the episode Andrew hadn't seen it, so okay. it's Matt and I 
uh, Matt Gamble and myself, and it is it is a disaster of an episode. It really <laughs> should have been deleted. Um, but it, it, it's it's grappling with what's wrong with Watchmen. With Watchmen, okay. and I mean, almost all of those things I've either come to accept. Right. I mean, like a like a serenity prayer um or or they're not even like they're pluses yeah. some of them yeah. uh, are, are pluses like the take the obvious soundtrack i know i was overly critical i still, of, I still can't get around like, that soundtrack. How, it's the most on the nose soundtrack yes. and it, that's it should be in a robert zemeckis film and that's saying something when you have aquaman that and i'm stealing from uh, Corey pierce on this one that that plays Africa when they're going to Africa. (laughs) (laughs) This is very true. Um, It's, uh, it's, it's, it's crazy because as time has gone on, like there are still a lot of flaws in that movie, but meanwhile, I think there's a lot that it does get quite right. I'm going to be really interested to see what they do now with the TV show. Right, the HBO show, Um, yes. Because it looks like it's going off in a whole A totally more DIY kind of, even though it's probably more expensive. Yeah. Um, But uh, anyway, uh, Zack Snyder, all of the real problems with Zack Snyder as a filmmaker in superheroes that he got criticized for Watchmen are on evidence in everything he's done made afterwards. But I want to spin that question too on its head because there's a flip side of that question, which which I have an answer for. All right, go Um, go for it. And that's what movie did you like and then grew to hate, grew to like (laughs) really hate. And this happened to me in the car ride on the way home from the movie. And I only, I bring it up, Mainly because of it's a Robert Zemeckis film, okay. and that is um, the volleyball movie Castaway. Castaway. <laughs> um, we're, I, I watched it with Laura Jane, and uh, and she hated it. Like right. she hated that movie. And we're talking in the car, and she's giving the reasons. They're not plot reasons. Right. They're fundamental, like cinematic reasons okay. why she didn't like it. And by the time, and we don't live that far of a car ride from yeah, the theater. Yeah, yeah. You're like. You're right. I hate that movie. <laughs> so, and, and 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 I must admit, I'm reasonably hard to convince. Like, yeah. I'm pretty. I have strong opinions. Right. But you, so but this you, one was like, in like an eight minute span of time, she's like, I'm like, yeah, because I was like, I was kind of, I was fine with it. It, yeah, it, yeah, it was fine, yeah, right? Yeah. Um. But uh, yeah. So that's wow. that's the other side. Oh man, it's you know it's it's, it's crazy because like sometimes you know you, you want to be like staunch in your in your convictions of like when it comes to your reaction of various things, but it's it's crazy. Which is, I mean, sometimes eight minutes or sometimes ten years. Yeah, sometimes decades. When you when you when you let uh, something settle, um, I still like Watchmen. Um, I mean, it's it's a interesting little time capsule considering what the genre would become 10 years later. Right. Uh, and certainly even just what that director would become within right. the genre 10 years later. Um, but yeah, I, I can, I can see, I can certainly see why you wouldn't have liked it at first go. Don't ever get my wife started on that movie. She still despises it. Did, did she see it at the Bloor screening? The no, she saw it. She saw it just like up the street okay. from here. Um, okay. but, uh, no, it was, it was not a good, not, not a good time. Um, what is a remake or adaptation in your esteem that you feel is better and it's source material. Okay, this is such a near and dear question to my heart. Okay. Because uh, I, I mean, I, I, I may not read as many books as you lately, but um, <laughs> you years ago I used to read a lot and, and I still read a fair bit. Um, and I 
often will hit movies that sometimes, like, um, what's the, speaking of Scarlett Johansson, what's the uh, the Scottish alien movie that uh, oh, that uh, she made with Jonathan Glazer? Under the Skin. Like, I had read that book 10 years before it was turned, turned into, yeah, and so, like, that that's, that's not even my answer. I'm right, just yeah, saying yeah, yeah. that sometimes I read a book and then, like, 15 years yeah, later, yeah, it, it, it becomes into a movie and I'm like, oh, yeah, I remember reading that a long time yeah. ago. Um, so I got three answers to this and they're all... They're all different nuances of that question. Okay. Um, maybe I've overthought this. Yeah. Um, so, uh, first one is, it's so bloody different, why bother? I could have answered Under the Skin, but I'll say Blade Runner. It's obvious, but yeah. it's very clear. Okay. Twelve okay. screenwriters. It, it, if you read the book, which is barely a book, it's more of a novella, novella um, yeah. There's the names are the same. Yeah. <laughs> Rick Deckard, that's about it. Yeah. There's nothing, nothing else, else similar yeah. in that movie. Um, and they never even went with the title. Yeah. Like they never even used the same title. No, I remember so, reading that book as a, as a teenager and I'm like, I thought this was supposed to be Blade Runner. And just being so... Well, we're going at, what is with this religious device yeah. and the climbing of the hill yeah. and, and why what's... does he have a partner? Yeah. And, yeah. and, and, oh, the, the other thing that they took from the book is the, the artificial pets, yes. but barely. Yeah. Barely. There's a snake and yeah. an owl. Yeah, mm. that's it. Uh, okay, so that's that side of the question. The other side of the question is, and this is near and dear to my heart, what film undermines the thesis of the source book <laughs> and that there's a few of them but okay. my favorite one is Paul Verhoeven's Starship Troopers because if you read Robert Heinlein's novel it's this pro-militaristic like you you're not able to vote oh. and 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 um uh Ed Neumeier and Paul Verhoeven made it into an uh, anti-propaganda uh, film yeah. dressed up as a 1950s propaganda film right. only it's set in 2100 and there's bugs in okay. space okay. unbelievable it's a genius move I wish more people did this yeah. um, but my real answer to the to this whole question um, is uh, Mary Hennon's um, American Psycho so I hated that book so much Brett Easton Ellis I didn't finish it like, I, I, I forced myself because I had gone through, I read that when I was 21 and I'd gone through, it was weird little stretch where every book had a twist ending. Oh, right? okay. Like, I, I, yeah. I, 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 That's like, exhausting. Like, There's something coming. There's something coming. There's something coming. And, and just gets to the end and he just, and then away he goes. I was like, wait, what? No, what? No. I, I, I kept going. Well, I kept enduring all of this materialism well, that's... and all of these labels and all of this verbal diarrhea just to get to the twist and there's no twist. What? Are you kidding? Oh. The interesting thing is, like, I never finished the novel. I, I got pretty close. Yeah. But I was like, I've had enough of this meal. Yes. Like, it's very yeah. toxic yep. and, yes. and it's very brand heavy, which is not my thing. No. Um, but I acknowledge that it is an extremely well-written novel like it, it 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 leans heavily into what it's doing it's a both really in a good i'd say it's both a really in a textual it's that's a really badly written novel i'd like to hand that i'd like to hand that story structure to a better writer and see what they come up yeah with. you'd have moby dick probably <laughs> moby dick is the same structure it's yeah. overly minutiaed yeah. in a very uh, the story of moby dick i'm yeah. not and i'm not before people tear their hair out. I'm not, I'm not trying to compare yeah, Brady no, Stiles no, 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 no. and Herman Melville. But what I'm saying, structurally, those novels are like 20 pages of story yeah. and uh, 500 pages in the case of Moby Dick and probably 300 pages in the case of American Psycho of contextualizing the environment of which that story... It, it is so over-contextualized, both of those books. But that's interesting. 
Because yeah. you do read to be lost in another world. And if the if the plot can fit on the back of a napkin, then so be it. Yeah. It's you, funny. It doesn't stop you from writing a novel. Either. I actually didn't see that movie up until like four or five years ago. Because uh, when the book you like, see it theatrically, no, because it plays thing, really I, good. The I read the book and I was like, I hate this yeah, yeah, yeah. How so could I? much. Yeah. I am not going to spend that much money and and go like spend two more hours of my life in this world that I hated so much. When I finally did see it a few years ago, I was like, oh, hey, that is pretty good. I was like, you got the. Yeah. Oh you, well, you, not only that, it's the first um, uh, Christian Bale performance where he's unquestionably doing like an American, yes. you know, he's done like hundreds of these and he's very good at it. Yeah. Um, better than most, yes. uh, certainly better than Russell Crowe. Yes. Um, and I mean, he, it, it's the pre Batman. It's, 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 it, and, and yet there's so much of that performance. And then there just all the supporting cast mm-hmm. in that movie. I mean, I hate Jared Leto in real life and I hate Jared Leto in the movie. It's all is right with the universe. <laughs> um, I, uh, who is the actress? She, uh, Cara, Cara Seymour. She plays the sad prostitute. She, if you're a fan of Steven Soderbergh's The Nick, she is the nun, and oh. she's so good. And so she's got a tiny little part in it. Then you got Willem Dafoe, like one of my favorite actors to watch in anything, and he is in everything and yeah. anything. And uh, yeah, and yeah, and then Chloe Sevigny, uh, um, who's in this movie, <laughs> yeah. uh, which yeah. we will eventually get to. Yeah. Uh, and uh, yeah, so anyway. What I love about Mary Heron's movie is that she does not kill you. It's there. Yeah. Everything in that book yeah. is there. Yeah. But you're not steamrolled by it. It's it's actually effervescent. Yeah. It's, American it, Psycho it's, is like a thrill ride. It's, it's, like it's, very not, much, like, I'm it's thinking, not exhausting. I'm thinking in my head now, it's, it's actually very much like Fight Club, but without Edward Norton's narration. Yeah. You know, like without him dropping They all came the, out like, pretty close stuff. to each other, they too. They did, yeah. 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 So, all right. Well done. I'm going to answer on that one. Uh, last but not least, uh, on, on a show where we're going to be talking about zombies, you can bring any artist back from the dead, any director, screenwriter, actor, what have you, to do something. Who do you bring back and why? That's a two-second answer. Okay. Uh, it was two seconds of thought. And it's all out of pure selfishness. I would just like to see more Stanley Kubrick movies in the world. I would bring Stanley Kubrick back in the hopes that he would make a couple more Stanley Kubrick movies. I mean, Eyes Wide Shut is a hell of a movie to leave on. The last word in Stanley Kubrick's filmography is fuck. (laughs) I know you don't like to swear, but but it's content related here. It is. And it's it's funny because there's, as you know, 10 years into the show, there are some times where I allow it. So like one of the moments that comes up in my brain is uh, about a year ago, we did a show uh, for uh, Quiet Place. And Mm -hmm. we were talking about how the end of that movie, you have Emily Blunt with a shotgun and how that woman seems to look like she was born to hold a shotgun. Uh, Looper. Like, she's already done it. And Looper, that's it. Looper as well. <laughs> she walked out um, and I'm like, yeah, Emily yeah, Blunt does Edge, this now. Yeah, exactly. Uh, Edge of Tomorrow. Yep. She's got yeah, she's very it. good. And I, and I said, doesn't she look like she like was born to be holding a shotgun? And my guest was like, right? Fuck. I'm like, absolutely. That's, that's, that's a legit, <laughs> like, that's a legit placement. Yes. Um, I was, I was late to the party on the Kubrick. I, I another guy who I, I didn't really get him at first. And I think, Eyes Wide Shut, if it wasn't the first of his movies that I ever saw... Well, I that's weird. That's a I weird saw. way to come in. I know. Um, I, I might have seen... There's no bad entry point. No. Let's put it that way. I might have seen... Uh, Strange Love? No. I was, that, that came after... Full I, Metal? Uh, I was, I was going to say, I might have seen um, Clockwork Orange. Okay. Before... That was my first. And Full Metal Jacket. 
Like those two, but like on video. So yeah. it's been it's been a very strange ride with me with Kubrick, and now I like I still talking to people find out like a whole lot of people really don't like his work and find him to be like full of himself and yeah. you know and, and opaque and obtuse and other words that start with O. Go to the mall. Go to the mall. <laughs> I see. <laughs> uh, well, there we go. That's more Kurt. We'll learn even more when he comes back for an eighth round and questions I'll have to come up with between now and then. Uh, for now, though, we're going to talk about The Dead Don't Die. Um, there's not really much you can spoil about this movie. If you've seen a zombie movie, you kind of know how this movie's going to go. But um, it's a movie that I want to talk about as a complete work. So do consider yourself warned. Spoilers will abound for The Dead Don't Die right after this. Oh, the dead don't die Any more than you or I They're just ghosts inside the dream Of a life that we don't know They walk around us all the time Never paying any mind To the silly lives we lead for the reaping we've all sown. The Dead Don't Die is written and directed by Jim Jarmusch. It stars Bill Murray, Adam Driver, Tilda Swinton, Chloe Sevigny, Steve Buscemi, Danny Glover, Rosie Perez, Iggy Pop, The Rizza, Carol Kane, Selena Gomez, Tom Waits, and several other people of note. The Dead Don't Die is set in the town of Centerville, Pennsylvania, a sleepy little hollow that 738 people exactly call home. As polar fracking has begun and the Earth is off its axis, a strange phenomena have been taking place. Animals disappear, the sun stays up too long, or rises too late. It's causing minor headaches for policemen Cliff Robertson and Ronnie Peterson, but nothing to get too worked up over. That is, until the dead begin to rise from their graves and head to the local diner. Soon ghouls can be found around every corner, and one gets a sneaky suspicion that none of this will end well. <laughs> the Dead Don't Die proposes that the undead are seeking and drawn to things that gave them mundane pleasures in life. Coffee, Wi-Fi, fashion, snacks, and so on. When one thinks about it, though, it's a curious little flourish, since most auteurs themselves are drawn to the same sorts of ideas. Watch three or four films by... Lynn Ramsey, or Wes Anderson, or Kelly Reichardt, or Mike Lee, and I promise you will find them shuffling somewhere familiar. So, pop quiz, hot shot, and because you're such a smart guy and have been here so often, it's a two-parter. What is this movie drawn to, and what might it want to draw us to? The two things that Jim Jarmusch does, certainly recently. Okay. One is a bunch of people standing around being ironic. Right. That's what he does. That's okay. all everybody does in this movie. Right. And two, watching Tilda Swinton do stuff. That is what, if you watch Only Lovers Left Alive. Yes. I mean, that movie is fantastic. Yes. But as a subset of that movie, you watch Tilda Swinton pack her books. Yeah. Like, this isn't like get a suitcase and get on a plane and get to where you're going. You watch your Packer books, you watch your checker plane ticket. Like, I mean, these are the, this is like, I like to watch her do stuff. And that's a lot of this movie. The Dead Don't Die is probably Jim Jarmusch's worst film. Oh, shit. But okay. it's, a, it's unquestionably a Jim Jarmusch film. Yeah. And it's still, by most yardsticks, for me anyway, yeah. uh, a pleasurable watch. Even if it is, in some ways, it's, it's Jim Jarmusch's 
Freddie got fingered. What what am I going wow. to do if the studio gives me fifteen million dollars and I really have nothing fifteen million dollars requires? Right. These are all my friends. Yes. They're all coming over. We're not even going that far upstate New York. <laughs> Yes. Right? Yeah. We're, 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 I mean, I feel like he shot this in Patterson back to back. I was going to say, they're only about three postal codes apart. Yeah. And, and what, and, uh, or sorry, zip, zip codes. codes. Yes. Sorry. Yes. Sorry, America. <laughs> um, <laughs> people are like, what? Uh, anyway, Patterson is damn well near a masterpiece because it does get at everything that. Jarmusch is good at. This is him sitting back and going, we're going to be just sitting and farting around outside of the frame. Yeah. And we will deliver something. And we've picked the laziest, easiest, like most people that make zombie movies, they make it because they have no money and they have something to prove. And and it's the most you can do. When you, when you look at George Romero going from industrial films, like corporate industrial films into this, when you look at Sam Raimi, with a bunch of people in the forest and a motorbike yeah. and, and Bruce Campbell willing to have stuff thrown at him all movie. Uh, and, and, and you look in the genre circuit around the world, there's always a thousand variations of, I mean, even Edgar Wright with Shaun of the Dead was a, was a, was a proving point in his sort of self-aware brand of movie comedy. Um, what you don't often see is a major auteur or a someone who's at near the end of their career, because mm-hmm. <laughs> there's like no point in making no. that movie. So, and this is what you get. Like the movie has nothing outside of it being a Jarmish film. It doesn't really have. I don't think it has a terribly anything new stylistically to the genre. It leans very heavily on other things. Yeah, um, but it does have the the. And even what you said at the beginning of everyone's drawn to what they used to do. Well, that is the certainly. Dawn of the Dead, which is widely considered the 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 best the genre's ever been. Yeah, uh, that's the thesis of that movie. Yeah, Everybody comes to the mall. Yeah, yeah, just because they don't <laughs> right? they don't know what, what better to right. do. It's it's strange because it it seems like it, it seems like he has more to say than just the world is going to shit and we're watching it happen. Right? Like I mean, well, I, I mean, think I think like, I think I were, you nailed it. I, I think say, the like, world is going to shit. Because we're watching it to happen. And that's like that's that's very clearly what this movie wants to say. The world is going to shit and we're just watching it happen and grousing amongst ourselves. You know, like the everybody in the diner watches the story about polar fracking, mm-hmm. which I mean, neat concept. <laughs> yeah, whatever. You know, like it's it's pretty pretty obvious. But the, yeah, easy, the, yeah, the idea that, that it's it's so dangerous to the world that it's not even a matter of global warming. We're actually messing with the gravity and the and, yeah, yeah, yeah. and the orbit of our planet yeah, yeah, yeah. and then what it does. On the one hand, yeah, we're watching it burn. You know, we're we're not. But on the other hand, like, I, I need I need more than just we're watching it burn. If you're gonna, you know, no, you're in a Jim Jarmusch movie. Think about all <laughs> of Jim Jarmusch's filmography. They don't actually have conflict right. in them. Yeah. Right. Yeah. A bunch of guys. Well, I mean, I mean, yeah, conflict like, is a bunch of guys get thrown in prison. What are they gonna do? Well, look, conflict I, is a bunch of people sit down. And have coffee, and not all of them get along. You know, the conflict con- in Patterson might be his whole his whole career in a microcosm. Guy writes down poetry, the book disappears. Yeah, I know. <laughs> and even that, <laughs> like, it what? flirts with the idea of that even happening. Yeah. So yeah, you know, like so. I, I I like the cops in the movie. The real char- yeah. the only characters that have any significant screen time Mm -hmm. i mean they have the huge poster with all the names but they're essentially all cameos they're all vignettes um but all the cops do in that movie 
is drive around and observe. They don't like until the end. Yeah. They don't actively participate. And if the movie has something to say, that's what we're doing in the 21st century I mean, yeah. with with climate. Like yeah. it's the problem is so big. The zombie apocalypse problem is so big. Everybody can only just stand around. Even people that ostensibly have knowledge, yeah. like Caleb Landry Jones, like I've seen every zombie movie. I I sell stuff in my gas station. Even he doesn't know what to do. <laughs> well, I go to the hardware store. Yeah, well, I mean, you know, like we're talking about a guy. He yeah, he's seen them all. He knows, you know, he knows how it works and everything. And he boards in the, he boards in the, 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 the hardware store. But oh shit, we forgot the back door. I, essentially, he does what <laughs> the dude does in Big Lebowski, where yeah. where he nails the door and forgets that it opens the other way. way. Like that's a, it's a classic oh, mistake. It's it's crazy because I mean, I I might I think I might think differently of this movie, and I think you know, in case everybody is is not clear. Both Kurt and I do not like this movie. Well, I, think I might like. I I don't. Hate I, it. I have a complicated relationship. I know. With this I, movie. I I didn't hate it, um, but at the same time, it's simmering down around a three. And with Jeremy's movies concerned, I want him up around a six. You know. Well, I don't, I, don't even I, know what your I, scale is, but I don't. Uh, I don't like if if uh, if Fast and the Furious is a ten, get over the halfway mark. So you send me an email, and you're like, think about ratings. Yeah, and. No, I'm talking about like imagine him like you're a cook, yeah. Okay, and you're you're Mr. Slow and Low. Okay, I, I want it a little bit higher and a little bit faster. I think. Okay, I, I don't want to eat I, at six. I, I want to eat at four thirty. Well, I, I also the the um, uh, over at RogerEbert.com, Matt Zoller cites really that's literally a sentence it's in his review. Low. No, it's like watching a Michelin staff make a grilled cheese. Like it's it's it, yeah. Grilled cheeses are it's a good sandwich. Yeah. Like I like a grilled cheese. I can make one. Um, <laughs> you know, and it'll be. It may not be as good, but it will be, be in the good, yeah. in the space. And it's... and when you talk about like how do you rate this movie, I'm like, as an objective, like this is what it aims to do, and and, and whatever. It's pretty low. Yeah. Even as a Jarmish movie, I said it's the bottom. It's pretty low. But yeah. but as a experience of me watching it in the theater i enjoyed the heck out of it well see that for me even was pretty low because i went and saw this in the middle of the day on a saturday um it's about the right time to see exactly it. but and and i think there were two laughs in my in, in my crowd and there were several people there it wasn't like just me there were a few people there but i think there were two lines that actually got laughs had i seen this at a festival i would probably be thinking very differently of it no because i i spoke they had a big room morgue or advanced screening okay. at the Royal, which and apparently I have a bedroom in the basement because I'm there all the time. Right. I wasn't at the screening. I was not at the screening. Yeah. But just yesterday I was at another screening of another horror movie right. and I was sitting beside the head of programming and 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 uh, and she was saying it's very interesting to watch the going in energy of oh, a very generous yeah. crowd and just watching it bleed out. Oh, um, but yeah, my, yeah. my experience, I guess it's similar to yours, but there were like 10 people yeah. in the theater yeah. and me. Okay. I was solo. Yeah. yeah. And, uh, I was the only one laughing. Okay. And I wasn't laughing, laughing because no, no, I don't, yeah, I was, yeah, you weren't I was chuckling. Right, I was yeah. chuckling because it's a chuckle movie. Yeah. Every joke in that movie is a chuckle joke. It's, um, it's not even a Christopher Guest like that's where I don't even make audible noise, but I'm laughing. Uh, it's like it's like a well, that was such a goofball. I have to make a little bit yeah. of noise and dead silence. And then a couple people walked out, and there weren't many people in the theater, but they didn't walk out early. They walked out like deep, oh, man. deep, like, deep into the point, movie. Like, 
Like you're like an hour plus into the movie yeah, now. Yeah. Given it's an hour forty five, still, which the movie has no business being. No, no. But um, and things don't things don't really go sideways until an hour in. Like there is a lot oh, of setup. The, okay, the best line, best line in the movie. What I love. Okay, here's what I, here's my defense okay. of the dead don't right. die because yeah. you always invite me on these. I couldn't defend Foxcatcher, but I could defend Hail Caesar, and yeah. I still love Hail Caesar. Me too. Um, but Here's my defense, is that at least at the beginning of the movie, and like you said, it's a long runway, yeah. um, <laughs> he's telling you how to watch the movie. There, every character is teaching you right from the beginning. Like you have Adam Driver going, this isn't going to end well. He says it like a, a dozen times yeah. over the course of the movie. There's that. But my favorite line, uh, I think it's Larry Fessenden okay. has it. Okay. Uh, or it might be Caleb Landry Jones. Okay. Um, it might even be Tom Waits. I don't think it's Tom Waits, though. But the one character says, the world isn't perfect, but you have to enjoy the details. And this is a movie where the details are okay. delicious. Okay. They're yeah. delightful. I will. And yeah. yes, it is like worse than a Jackie Chan or, uh, you know, clothesline movie where yeah. where the plot you know a lot of even a lot of early like buster keaton and, yeah. and chaplin movies less so with chaplin more so with keaton where there's like a clothesline plot and it is completely irrelevant but they hang all the individual gags like on coat hangers yeah. over the course of things this is the ironic deadpan version of okay. that like how above it all can we be on this hanger yeah. and on this hanger and on I this mean, hanger? And like you know you're talking about like the details of this movie and i mean one of, and, and and you mentioned it's a movie where you're watching Tilda Swinton do things. Yep. If this is a movie that you weren't paying attention to, if you're watching it at home... And like you if were, you were vacuuming your house. Yeah. You would not Boy. notice, for instance, that Tilda Swinton, when she walks, she only turns at right angles. You know? <laughs> she speaks it's, only at right angles yeah, in this it's movie. so yeah. absurd. Yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, yeah, she speaks with like the thickest Scottish accent I've ever heard her speak yeah. in. Uh, always turns at right angles. It's very, very formally with a lot of Scottish slang thrown yeah. in. She oh, uses the word... I looking so bonny. Bonnie, yeah. and she uses the word ravenous. Two yes. of the most Scottish words yes. I can think of. Um, you, you know, like... like It's de- ridiculous. Details like that. Details like, like... every actor's playing a typecast version of themselves. Well, I mean, even just the fact... Already. That, Which is I, good. I do appreciate this film for the fact that it took somebody who's built like a brick shithouse like Adam Driver and piled him into a smart car. Yep. You know, like... And, and, and weirdly, I, that's a weird job. gag. For, that's for a <laughs> weird gag. Because, like, I mean... I mean, Woody Allen made that joke 15 years ago. Yeah. You know, I mean, yeah. they, and there's a but Prius uh, and, and whatever yeah. in there. They, and they're kind of yeah. joking about that. But anyway, there's a Star Wars joke there is. in the and movie. Again, Lincoln, you'll miss it. Uh, which is not great, but I, I feel its delivery is so weird that yeah. it becomes great. The analog to this movie is coffee and cigarettes, which is much more aggressively vignette Yeah. Like, um, but there's all of these just awkward interactions between people and it's and everyone's just in for their couple minutes and then they're out and 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 that's this just has like a much more conventional genre frame it's like you know it's a small town but i feel like i met everybody in this town uh you know all all getting affected in their own little way you know you've got steve buscemi as the as the racist coot 
who's, yep. who's, who's out and he's losing his chickens and saying things that are kind of racist, but not really racist and things to that Danny are Glover. racist to Danny Glover. <laughs> yeah. You got Danny Glover. You've got, you've got the, the women who run the, the diner who are both fantastic. Who are both amazing. You know, you've got, it's, it's crazy because there, there actually is a bridge too far in this movie because I don't know why we had the juvenile detention center at all. So yeah, aside from the fact that it gave them, it, it's the Centerville detention center, which gave the kids the ability to wear CDC on their back. I'm like, okay, that is a really deep reach yeah. that you're going to put CDC, Center for Disease Control. <laughs> well, I'm, 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 I didn't even catch that. You know, if that I, is, in fact, a, a, like a intentional, maybe it is. Yeah. Uh, but I feel like because it's a climate change movie, they had to put young people in it. Guess, and and okay. all of Jarmusch's friends are old. <laughs> so they're like, yeah. we'll just have three kids. And they're pretty good. I mean, and they're pretty good. They, they, had, they, had they serve no purpose whatsoever. To, oh, to I forgot war, about that. To warn of, you know, yeah, yeah, hipsters. Yeah, I forgot about that. Well, which is hilarious because like that's whole Jim, Jim Jarmusch's entire career is making hipster statements. Like, I mean, Again, not even that long ago with Only Lovers Left Alive, it's the most hipster vampire movie ever made. And the vampire genre lends itself to being a little bit of that. I mean, and so, it's crazy because if, yeah. if he had never made Only Lovers Left Alive, I might feel differently about this movie. But because I saw what he can do within With a genre, vampire movie, yeah, yeah. I, I was, I was yeah. really looking forward to yeah, it. You know, so sometimes thought, you just got to phone one in. <laughs> you got to take the paycheck. And, well, I mean, I, I, and again, I don't know if any of his other movies have ever been studio movies like when the universal logo came up in front i'm like what i get the focus because yeah. focus is that perfect bridge in fact focus is one of my favorite like when they had all those little like indie labels yeah. like there was like warner independent and yeah, there was yeah, miramax yeah. was disney's and and uh picture house united artists yeah, and, yeah. and and all these uh things uh i mean focus was my favorite my right. absolute favorite although this one uh, um yeah i mean like you do still have a lot of great deadpan humor in this movie um you've got you know that kind of very fargo-esque coming upon the crime scene and everybody's like you think it was an animal or a bunch of animals. Yeah, it's <laughs> lovely. You know, like it's well, a lot of it has been done by Jarmish. A lot of it's been done by other people. Um, he's certainly operating inside of his framework. But I was reminded of two other films that have come out recently we'll that those. also suffer we'll from to, that. We'll get okay. To those in a bit. Um, I mean, the, the the thing I did like about this movie is it keeps, at the very least, coming back to Bill Murray and Adam Driver. Like Bill Murray does what Bill Murray does. Yeah. Very very well. And I I if you had told me six or seven years ago that I would actually start looking forward to movies starring Adam Driver, I would have called you a dirty liar. Oh, you never uh, saw the F word then, or... Uh, I did. Like, no, I feel I first, right out of the gate. I, I first came across him in Girls. Yeah, okay, so that's concurrent. and despised. I've never seen that show. Don't do it. Yeah. Um, he, like, I mean, <laughs> the great thing about him is he's playing somebody deplorable who actually then kind of gets the whole lens really turned on him when you understand well, he's very charming in the he, f word he's charming in everything I, yeah. like, I did not realize that he was actually cloaking himself in how dickish adam the character is supposed to be i see so when i started seeing him in stuff like the f word and you know he had a whole bunch of little cameo roles like he's got a two second cameo in lincoln Yep, you know uh, where he's a he's a. Telegraph. That's every Spielberg movie, by the way. Yeah, I mean, yeah, go watch finds... Minority Report, and you're like, why is or catch me if you can. Like, you, how everyone's a star now. Yeah, well, I mean, like, do you remember? Even, do you remember that David Oyelowo is also in Lincoln? Uh, no. Yeah, but it, yep, two minutes in the beginning. Yep, yeah, yeah, and yeah, then yeah. off he goes. Yeah, yeah. Adam Driver, like he's the now, like forget about even just forget about Star Wars and all that jazz. He's a guy I would go to a movie to see. Absolutely. Except, did you see the Terry Gilliam movie? No, he's not good in it. Oh shit. 
Which one? Oh, the Quixote? Yeah, Don Quixote. No, I, the, listen, a movie that's taken that long. To yeah, come out, it's not like, coming out of the yeah, oven. No, it's not coming no, out of the oven. No, I'm just like, I'm yeah, happy you probably. made it. I'm just going to say I, that. Likewise. But I mean, it's, Adam it's Driver, exactly that. Uh, he, he's kind of a descendant of Murray. You know, he doesn't, he's not as, he's not as slapsticky. He's not as aware of himself as Murray is, but he gets that, he, he they're, they're cut from the same cloth. Well, they have good chemistry in this they're movie. Amazing. And, and so, uh, again, if you follow the rules as set forth in the opening of the screenplay of the world ain't perfect and, and the movie ain't perfect exactly, yeah. Yeah. but enjoy the details, just watching the two of them do what they do like when when bill murray says hey did you play some minor league ball is he actually asking him that question or going you leaned into that a little hard like what <laughs> there's there's more being said yeah. than what's actually in the screenplay yeah. there and that's what good performances do yeah. maybe it was supposed to be obvious yeah and maybe there's more because those actors are doing it i mean obviously he's played with bill murray before in a very highly vignette movie, Broken Flowers, uh, which also oh, has Tilda Swinton, talk, yeah. Jarmusch, yeah. sorry, uh, but I'm, I'm just saying that there's a, yeah, Jarmusch and and um, there were like three, uh, it was, so it was Wes Anderson, Sofia Coppola, and Jarmusch all at the same time, tapped into the the sad sort of hangdog element of yeah. Bill Murray, like in the late 90s early 2000s yeah, right and so they gave him this whole they gave him that, that that second act and there's some duds in there there's some real duds in there yeah. um i don't know if anybody saw rock the casbah um for, I'd forgotten uh, or or that one that he made with mickey rourke and megan fox um, about that too. you know what i mean like yeah but everyone like deifies bill murray and and whatever and rightfully so yeah the man is a treasure yeah but he makes some bad movies like yes. he's they just don't like everyone, well, that's part of his treasureness is that everybody forgets they, <laughs> they just, exist. They just move on. It's like, oh, he'll make another one next year. Yep. Um, yep. You know, I, I did like, I did like the way this movie encapsulates small town life and the way everybody just sort of puts up with each other. Yeah, well, that's the make America white again, and and Denny Glover, like he's like, what even just like even just Steve Buscemi is the most highly incarnation of reason. Yeah. And Denny was like, yeah, but I want want to have my coffee. Yeah, and we both come to the same diner. Yeah, yeah. so yeah, yeah. Why would we get into a fist fight? Well, that's the, I mean, like, where else are you gonna go? Yeah, he still know, digs like, into him though. I, I know. Like, that's what the do you thing, mean like, you like your coffee? Thing, like, you know, if if, if if I get pissed <laughs> off with my coffee shop, I'll go two blocks in the other direction yeah, yeah. and start going no, there's to only the coffee, one coffee shop. shop. Yeah, this this town they have one diner. I mean, even when the hipsters show up it's like oh is there anywhere to eat well there's one diner but it's closed yeah it's closed yeah sorry about that um but even you know i I did like that about this movie and how it shows small town life can have the hermit who everybody knows is out in the woods and who's just not living by society's rules anymore to the point where he's shooting at the cops well that's but they're just like but at the point they're just like we'll go talk to him (laughs) but the beautiful is that he pulls the trigger on them yeah and the cops are like Go on home now. That's the movie. That's the movie. It's actually kind of shocking to me when they decide to like get out of their cars and Engage open up zombies. at the at the, yeah. at the end of the, at the end of the movie. Like yeah. I'm actually I'm like I'm really surprised they even. You thought they just waited out? I thought it might just be them talking in the car yeah, while, while the zombies while are the, while the credits go. You That's know? what it should have been. Yeah, See, maybe you know, like that movie is genius. Yeah, yeah, yeah that yeah, movie. Yeah, I would, yeah, like yeah. the. the the idea of a Jeremouche 
coffee and cigarettes conversations going on inside During, an enclosure. That's kind of what this is. While the zombies are like pounding on the wall. It's kind of what this is. Sort it's of. Often I mean, it, there. Doesn't, it doesn't go. No, it, it doesn't. Never, it, it's, you know, it, it drifts away from that kind of thing. It, but it, they're, they're more kind of wandering around and we go from place to place right. to place. We're never actually having those patterson coffee and cigarettes right, and right, 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 right. conversation they're there though but they're there in weird incarnations like you mentioned the two um ladies from the diner when yeah. they go off like basically they go full third man on tilda swinton's character you haven't really seen her yet and they're, yeah. they're yeah. like talking about her yeah and like she's got this and she's got this and she's got this so it's like not a surprise when you finally make your way into the funeral home because you've had like a four minute conversation but that conversation is structured so delightfully watching these Two actresses, both of which I believe have been in Charmouche films. I think, yeah. that, I think that was the rule. Outside of the children, I think everyone, everyone is, is has it. been um, in. Uh, I'm amazed Winona Ryder's not here. This is true. Um, now, now, hold on. Listen, that said, if we're going to talk about the guys who were always in Jaramouche movies, I think it's a little on the nose to be casting Iggy Pop as a zombie. Well, they did Alice Cooper in uh, Prince of Darkness in yeah, John Carpenter's I, I, yeah, movie. Yeah. Iggy Pop is a zombie. I'm like, come on, yeah, that, that's neat. That's what neat. they should have went was with Isaac de Bancole, who who's in almost every Jarmusch film, yeah, um, and and most of Claire Denis' films as yeah. well. Um, I'm amazed he's not in this. I wonder what he was doing. See, I would have also maybe liked- he's like. I'm not Haitian. I'm not being in your movie. Right. Carol Kane. Carol Kane. So, this is yeah, yeah. all very good movies. Like, this, yeah, this is yeah, very yeah, easy. Yeah, yeah, you know, yeah, Selena yeah, Gomez didn't yeah, get zombies. Yeah, 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 she gets yeah. aggressively is, decapitated. You know, you kind of you kind of led with this earlier on. Is this genre played out? Oh, this song was so play. It's so weird. I have this conversation all the time, and then a filmmaker will come in and prove me wrong. But. <laughs> That doesn't change the fact that, like, I'm right 90% of the time. But then, like, the South Korean filmmaker will come in and make Train Train to Busan. And it's, like, not reinventing the wheel. But it's doing it so well yeah, yeah. that you can't take fault on it. I haven't seen it, but the Japanese uh, film One Cut of the Dead, which, uh, like, it's, like, a guy making a documentary when the zombie apocalypse happens so it's a kind of a found footage movie and you're like oh my god there's two genres that we don't need any more of <laughs> and a- apparently it's fantastic i haven't right. seen it but apparently it is so it can be done but i'm saying that the filmmaker at the end of their career is less likely to be the one that does it yeah uh i'm not i'm not even saying I mean, that jarmish is at the end of his career but he's you know he's been making movies since the 80s yeah, uh he's, he's made a few he's yeah. made a few um I, it's I, I feel like if you're going to make a zombie property now, book, TV show, movie, whatever, you better have something really bloody good to say. Really, really bloody good to say. Because if you don't, you're just hanging a very thin well, concept with... You know, 100%. But, you know, the, the cardinal rule of everything is that 90% of everything is crap. So you're going to always have crap zombie movies and there's going to be a lot of them there's going to yeah. be crap horror movies well, and there's going to be a lot of them because they're cheap they're cheap and they're easy and and they're an entry point but you know you will get like an edgar wright that comes through the genre yeah. and 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 just really does something special um and so like half of what jarmusch does is that every half of his filmmaking thing is that everything has been done before so to criticize him of 
doing something that's been done before feels a little rich, you know, like you can't really been done before, but like, I actually was looking forward, as I said, like, you know, here's a guy who took a vampire movie, like a few years after they were sparkling and a few years after they were just stripping down yep. their kit on TV and screwing every week with, with, um, yep. with true blood. I'm like, here's a guy who made a, a vampire movie and still, made le- it and it's incredible. legit. Great. It's yeah, legit. Great. It's yeah. Fantastic. I was like, so yeah, I'll see yeah. your, zombie movie because you have something to say right usually when i go see but movies. you must you must think that the what vampires do and how they exist is so much more in his wheelhouse yeah like the fact that he tapped into the crumbling detroit and made that the metaphor yeah. for the movie yeah. is just fantastic yeah. you know but I, I i don't know i i feel yeah it's it's I, I don't really like the genre all that much, yeah. um, and and I tend to skip them. But every now and again, I go to see one, and, and so there will be good zombie movies again. But I, I don't think Jarmusch set out to make a zombie movie. Like he clearly he nods towards a lot of the classics. He he's a cinephile. What do you think he said? Um, or he said you think he just set out to cash a paycheck? I don't know. I don't know. I, I honestly him? don't know. Like I, I don't even know if Jarmusch is the type of guy that needs to be making movies all the time like he's gone stretches without yeah. doing I, I honestly don't know he's, i mean it's it, but i mean maybe focus universal walks by after patterson with a with a with a suitcase with 12 million dollars in it and he's like well i guess i i'm not gonna use one of my a-list ideas i, <laughs> I it, it goes against everything i did to be like swimming or drowning in money and resources yeah. um but you know, I could do this, and and I get to hang out with all my friends. I mean, it's sad for me because he was on a nice little role he was. in movies he like was. Patterson and like yep. Only Lovers Left Alive, and I think uh, Broken Flowers was. That's two thousand five. That. That's quite a while there's ago. Some, yeah. There's something else. In, oh, there's something in between there that I did not see. Limits of Control. Oh, I love that movie. Like, love that movie. Uh, okay. That was so my favorite movie of that year, and that was the movie that seeded the. He just wants to watch Tilda Swinton walk. Okay, um, but in, in so that that's case, what I'm saying that for you, he's on a run. He, he was yep. on a nice little incredible run, yeah. Until yep. this movie came along, yep. which saddens me. You know, I suppose I'm, I'm like everyone. They can't. They can't all be on a hitting streak for a long time. But he was on a great little hitting streak there. I mean, part of the thing that I, I wrestle with this movie is the meta nature of this movie didn't work for me. You know, this movie takes this wicked left meta turn in its final act no it, it, again at the beginning it's fully there's there's a line in the first 10 minutes of the movie with the country song that's constantly playing i mean that was a neat touch it's right at the yeah it's a beautiful I did, touch I did, like, I, in particularly just, because his films usually have in-depth rich soundtracks yeah. so to say i'm using one, one song, song which is a zombie note yeah. like there's one note yeah <laughs> in the in the zombie picture um and but Adam Driver early on in the movie goes, it's the theme song. Like, I mean, <laughs> I like so like song. I said, it's, 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 no, but he's saying it in a, I've read the script meta kind of fourth wally kind of way. Yeah. And I, but, but it's so fast that it, again, if you're vacuuming, yeah, um, you, you know, or, or fishing for Skittles in your popcorn or whatever, you're going to miss that. But then it just becomes like bluntly obvious. Yeah, like, it's, like it's almost clumsy. That, and that's what I'm saying. Like when he was talking about, well, it's the theme song. Like that that part I thought was actually pretty funny. Later on when they're, you know, they're in their in their cruiser surrounded by zombies and he he finally says, 
you know, for the like the umpteenth time, why this isn't going to end well. And he's yet? like, I want to know why you keep saying that. And he's like, well, because I've read the script. Yeah, it's you know, it, it's it's appropriate that you're here to talk about this with me, and you you have that deep love of spaceballs. Yeah, because I was waiting for them to pop in, like flip open the Netflix, and sc- you know, get to that point where they're looking at themselves. Right, at themselves, right, right. Like, uh, we're know, at now, now. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> that part for me just really didn't work. Even you know, even with Bill Murray saying, I've done so much for Jim Jarmusch. Why wouldn't he show me this? Yeah. Yeah. Why wouldn't he show me this script? I was like, come on guys. Like, like you, you again, I don't think there is a, we're making deep art here. In no, fact, but you're I- also not making, you're not going, you're not embracing the full absurdity of it. You're not making, you're right. not making your usual. Yeah. But movie. again, Jarmusch movies sit back. They're not going to go all the way. They sit back. And that's what they do. They, they all the characters, even in the great ones, even even in like we'll keep bringing up only lovers left alive. Even in uh, last night on earth, which is which is one of my favorites uh, with all the cab stories. Yeah. Um, the the those movies sit right back, and uh, they're not gonna go too far. I mean, characters die yeah. in the cab in that movie, yeah. and the movie doesn't stop. No. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like it's he's very. Um, Elegiac. Elegiac, thank yeah. you. Uh, uh, and, and and he's also very, like, low-key. Um, well, that's, that, that, and I mean, the okay. movie is definitely pitched in the lowest of keys, right? Very, very. And that's, I mean, that I think that was, the, the crazy thing about this movie is they tell you, we certainly tell you, don't watch the trailer. If you watch the trailer for this movie, you think you were going to get a madcap. No, no. What? Disagree. Epically. Oh. I, you can even see my comments with timestamps <laughs> on Screen Anarchy when that trailer was posted. I'm like, this looks a little on the nose. <laughs> like this, I, I, that's exactly, I read that this, and maybe that helped. Maybe. Huge. Like I did see the trailer beforehand. And no, like, it, it, wasn't, it wasn't like, I wasn't expecting an Edgar Wright movie. But at the same time, I wasn't expecting something, as I said, I wanted to eat at four thirty, not at seven thirty. You know, so like right. turn up, turn up the oven nope. to like two hundred. Nope, nope. slow and low, my oh, friend. My God. Uh, it's great though. I, I I do like when everyone keeps pulling up in cars and says it was wild animal or a group. Like I, it's not <laughs> funny. It's having, not funny, but it's what is, funny. What is funny is that all three of the cops need to walk into the diner and look at yeah, both and gross. walk back out. <laughs> you know? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Like every one of them goes and does the exact same move in the shot is the exact same way. Uh, I mean, you know, like the one question I do have about this movie is, is it suggesting that we all become the Tom Waits hermit that we all just kind of go back into the woods and just watch it all burn? Because he seems like he seems to really sympathize with. Uh, let's just call with, him with Tom Waits. Let's Hermit just call Bob. him Tom Waits yeah, <laughs> because Tom, Tom Waits, Tom Waits as himself. Yeah. Yes. Um, I don't know. I, I I think that he survives precisely because he's not enmeshed in anything. So he's so he pick, doesn't have picking his to, mushrooms. To remember to be drawn back to right, right. He's just his chicken. He's just doing his thing. Uh, Which and, he did steal. Yeah, of course. <laughs> Duh. Uh, anyway, the yeah, exactly, exactly. Uh, but I don't know. I, I I do think that I don't even think Jarmusch is above. Like you know, he swims in his own brands of pop culture and he creates his art which is then consumed as a commodity and uh i i think maybe the tom waits character is his ideal of 
I, I would like to be that far. Yeah. But let's not be crazy here. <laughs> We're going to sit around and talk about it. We're not actually going to go that far. That's, to me, what a Jarmish film is, right? Yeah. I mean... And that's a it's a very much of that character. Um, See, one of the things I'm actually... A lot of his movies end with somebody in the wilderness, uh, I, I think. I feel. They, they, I mean, they never end... They never well, actually, Stranger Than Paradise, doesn't that... There's like a fork in the road and the two yeah. characters just I was say, they don't, leave that's the, the, the thing sides like of the frame. Is a lot of times they don't actually end, they just stop. They stop. That's, you know? And that's what this movie does. Um, but it, because, it's, about, like, like because, it's Fox, hemmed, right? because it's hemmed in with a zombie plot, you feel, well, there's got to be a plot this time because that's yeah. what these movies are. No. And he's like, no, we just walk off the page. That's yeah. what his movies... That's how they end. Yeah. No, it's... You know? I mean... Our time here is up. Uh, you know, it's it's the kind of movie that I call a beautiful failure. Like I'm still like, here's the thing: if I'm if I'm if I am vacuuming and this happens to be on, I'm gonna leave it. You know, I'm, I'd rather this keep me company. Oh, it's than... it's very low, like it's very low commitment of a movie. <laughs> You're not going to get like deeply emotionally attached. No, but I mean, I'd still like it's it's handsome. Like that, that's that that is one of the things. Aside yep. from the fact that it pulls my pet peeve movie trick. Of shooting in the day to simulate shooting at night. Yep. That entire cemetery fight. Yep. I'm like, you shot yeah, this at high. See the shadows. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I hate when that happens. Just a fun fact there, it's the same cinematographer that shot David Lynch's Blue Velvet. <laughs> Which is a very lush yeah. movie. Yeah. Well, I mean, and that's like there is a lot of it is a handsome movie. Like all those things in the diners, that cop shop is is really interesting. Uh, every scene that involves Tilda Swinton and her morgue with her Buddha, you know, like I watched, yep. I watched this movie just three or four weeks after watching Suspiria. So it's been a lot of Swinton. Yeah. In, in yeah. Oh, the new Suspiria. The new Suspiria. Fantastic. Yeah. Uh, well, no, but yeah. Fantastic. <laughs> Did you do a show on that? No. Okay. Just saying. Uh, I, I had people ask me, "Did you understand it?" And I'm like, no. "I, I did a very lengthy show on that. <laughs> no, on film junk. I totally and uh, that. and and they were not happy. I with I me that too. enjoying that movie so much. Uh, of course. Yeah. Um, we end every matinee cast with a souvenir, something tangible or intangible you could take away from this movie and keep, if you could. Kurt Halfyard, what would be your souvenir from Jim Jarmusch's The Dead Don't Die? Watch Tilda Swinton move. Just watch her move. You're saying she turns at right angles, but just watch her move. She's got the 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 gentle minutia of swordplay, even like yeah. when she the camera angle and how she holds the katana, yeah. how she scabbards the katana is so perfectly Japanese. I mean, Jim yeah. Jarmusch would know. He's not his first, you know, time at that. Uh, samurai uh, contemporary samurai yeah. films. Yeah, um, yeah no kidding. Uh, yeah, where's Forrest Whitaker in this movie? You know, um, you know, he had some. Right, where was Jack White? Yeah. Um, <laughs> anyway, that's my takeaway: is what Jarmusch is doing with this movie uh, is an extension of what he's been doing with several of his more recent movies, not Patterson, but the other ones. Is just watching. Tilda Swinton be Tilda Swinton. She is not of our planet. No. And he acknowledges that in all <laughs> in a the very, right ways. In a clear way. Yes. It's funny that... Again, to get, to get you know, like heavy-handed with his meta commentary, it's like, yep, there it is. Right there it now, is, you know? right? Yeah. Although, I, I must admit that the scene I like the least, uh, because it's just so stupid yeah. is tilda swinton like hacking the computer like it is the dumbest thing i've ever seen but um, anyway mine is i i actually have an affinity for that kind of small town diner 
And okay. I usually find that they have something that they do really well, whether it's the pie or the meatloaf. Yeah, or yeah, the fried yeah. So you're a like David Lynch fan then. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Damn good coffee and yeah. good cherry pie. So I, I would like to eat at that diner, preferably before they close for the night and it becomes yep. the scene of an animal or several animals. Um, and I mean, I, that, was, that was the part that broke my heart was when the hipsters get to town and the diner is closed. Because yep. I'm like, you know they went to this town. In that oh, in that car, in that, uh, we rate here on the matinee cast on a scale of one to four stars. I'm sure that by now you can probably come down on the fact that neither one of us are going to give this a good review. Kurt Halfbeard, what do you give Jim Jarmusch's The Dead Don't Die on a scale of one to four? Well, I don't really like scales of one to I four, know. and I know you said this, and but whatever. But I'm like, there's part of me for loving it for what it is quite a bit. But if you have to give it a rating, you 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 give it the two because yeah. it's kind of it's like. Two stars from everywhere. It's, yeah, it's, <laughs> it's yeah. cinematic oddity. Yeah, it's I mean, <laughs> it, it like I mean again, it's it's a mess. As far as he's concerned, it's a failure. As far as just like I can't recommend somebody go see this. As our friend Andrew Robinson likes to say on his podcast, both teams played hard. You know, uh, yeah, it's. I, I would love to. Talk I would to not you. say that both teams gave one hundred and ten percent on this movie. That being said, no, the actors said they played hard. The oh, okay, the actors, uh, the actors do for. Everybody playing like the most egregious stereotype of themselves yeah. in the movie. Uh, they they do that well. They do. Even if they can do it in their sleep, yes. which the movie has said isn't happening because the dead don't die. But <laughs> right. anyway. Um, hey, listen, maybe you love this movie and you think that we're being way too hard on it. I'd love to have that conversation. I don't even think we're being hard on uh, it. Or maybe you think that it's a piece of garbage and we're actually being too kind. Uh, let me know. Ryan at the matinee.ca, Twitter where I'm matinee underscore CA or facebook.com. Slash Dark Matinee. Um, what did you think of Jim Jarmusch's The Dead Don't Die? We are going to take a quick break right after this. We'll talk about some more movies on the other side. Come on back. Oh, the dead don't die Any more than you were right They're just ghosts inside dream of a life that we don't know they walk around us all the time never paying any mind to the silly lives we lead we're back it's matinee cast 226 he's kurt halfyard i'm ryan mcneil we've been talking about jim jarmusch uh and all things jim jarmusch this is kind of a a weird other side because we've been talking about so many other movies in the main That's review. the universe. It would like, you know, I know you, I know your shows used to go off on all kinds of tangents. I try to I keep know, it. I know, you keep it tight. I try to keep, keep I, it in a little I, box. I, I, in all fairness, I've not undermined that every show. This is true. There is, the personal shopper show is tight. Well, it's a tight show. You've been very well behaved for all these episodes. <laughs> the least I could do on Lucky Number 7. Not on like, this one. Let you push but, the rules. But on others. Um, you know, we've been talking about a bunch of them, but what were some of the other movies you thought about? Uh, the way I looked at it is the what you said earlier is auteurs that make the same movie over and over and again and every now and again it just doesn't fully like pan out yep. in this case dead pan out <laughs> but uh, but but otherwise and and i'm thinking uh so the first one in the the most obvious example because the second one's a bit of a stretch but the first one i think is bang on if you've seen it and that's wit stillman's damsels in distress oh I like love i that movie. see i don't really um I think 
He's an operator. It's very much a Will St- a Whit Stillman movie, but it feels like such a lesser version of the greater movies that he has made previously. Like if you look at that trilogy of movies that he made, they're all perfect in their own way. Yeah. One of them even stars Chloe's menu. Um, but I feel, I mean, as much as I like the casting, as much as I like Greta Gerwig, and as as much as I can live with the pastel color palette of that movie that feels like it was shot with an iPhone filter, but <laughs> yeah, I just feel like that is such an auteur uh, spinning their wheels for the sake of what's weird in, in Stillman's case is that he hadn't made a movie for a good like Long 15, 16 time. years, yeah. whereas... Um, Jarmusch is like pretty steady. He, yeah. He's like one every I mean, other that's year. The thing, I, the thing I like about Jarmusch is, in a way, he's 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 like what what Prince was doing later on in his career. It was like Prince was just dropping a, a record every eight to ten months at a time where albums. Ask your parents, kids. At a time where albums were taking three, four, five years sometimes in between, he was just cranking them out. And if you didn't like one, eh, next year, he'll have a whole other one for you. Right. Right. Jermush, we don't like this one. You know what? In 18 months, he'll have another movie. And it'll probably be, I'm, I'm sure it'll be better at this point. You know? With Stillman, there were like 15 years. Yep. In between. Uh, well, you're like Not thir- worth 13. the wait. No. Not worth the wait. No. Like the last days of disco was 98 and then yep. Devils in Distress was 2011. Yep. I still, you know. I, I, wow. It's, it's eight years ago. That right? movie came out eight years ago. Yeah. That's insane. Yeah. Um, and you're saying, and basically you're coming away from it saying like, sorry, you were marrying them up because of? Because they're, they're, there's an auteur doing their auteur thing, but it, it it's a little flatter and it's a little, I guess, forced, more forced. Yeah. It, even. The thing I did like about this is it's funny because this was actually my entry into Wit Stillman. See that that's, I, that's yeah I know I hadn't seen stuff um, like Last Days of Disco. So you're I, probably a lot more forgiving if it's your. Well, there's first. that you know yeah he was he wasn't a brand for me I hadn't seen he was for me I, I hadn't seen I was Metropolitan profoundly and, excited yeah. uh, <laughs> to be in the Isabel Bader at TIFF when they screened Damsels in Distress. I, I was less so coming out. It's fine. In the same way that this is fine. Like, I enjoyed The Dead Don't Die a lot watching it. Am I going to argue in the same way I argued for Hail Caesar? Hell no. Um, you know, you, you, they're always talking about the Sambola and, and doing the dance in that movie. Um, but yeah, it's, it's, always, it's always such a letdown when a brand misses the mark. Mm-hmm. You know, when somebody who you who follow... For so long, like, you know, it's it's always so bloody weird when you watch them clank one off the rim. It's yep. so bloody strange. So, you know, we've, we talked about a lot of Jarmusch movies. And, you know, in case somebody came into this movie thinking, this guy is a brand and comes away from it saying, what the I hell wouldn't is that? say that, though, to some extent. Because he does have a large, like, set of tree branches yeah. of stuff. Like, they're, they're not, like, what? as... Say you know Wes Anderson is much more of a an easy to parody brand. Yeah, yeah, no, he's not. The, yeah, he's not a meme. You know. Yeah, yeah. But yeah, um, not a meme. No. No. What I would pair it up with in terms of this is this guy clicking on all cylinders, is, and in you know same way that he's got it parsed into different rooms, um, is I'm a big fan of Broken Flowers. Yep. So uh, this one was from 2005. Yep. It also has Bill Murray. 
Um, also has Tilda Swinton. Lovely Jeffrey Wright performance in there as well. Gorgeous Jeffrey Wright performance in that one. You know, you've got you've got a letter and a typewriter, so you're talking mm -hmm. like you're clicking my, you're tickling my analog. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Funny well, there's a lot of analog in Charmish. There, films. yeah, yeah. Exactly. Okay. He's got you know he's got. Books, Only Lovers Left records. Alive is like a pornography of Only analog. analog. <laughs> exactly. Uh, and this thing, like this one, it doesn't go too far with that one. It's got no. it, it's got the kooky soundtrack as well. That a lot yep. of his movies have, but in a very specific way. Mm -hmm. Bill Murray is not playing absurd. Like he's he's dialed down and he's in like modern era Murray in that movie, but he's not so full of himself. Oh, he's not arch about the performance. No. He is he's not super arch in this either, to be honest. It's a pretty genuine performance from Bill Murray. And this is not him what he's doing in Ghostbusters. No. It's not him what he's doing in uh Zombieland, for no, that matter, which no. is weird that you can yeah. do the Pepsi challenge on that. <laughs> exactly. Um, um, but yeah, no, Broken Flowers, I kind of feel like it's a movie that a lot of people actually, you know, I'm sure a lot of people who listen to this show have probably seen it, but it's, I don't think it's, it's, it's not exactly a sexy title. Like, I think well, given the cast, again, much like this movie's poster, the Broken Flowers has a lovely, like, if you like to put marquee names on your poster, yeah. Broken Flowers is fantastic, yeah. top to bottom. Sure, so and it is a lovely, I love that it's a lovely movie. Exes yeah. is somebody really distinct. Yes. As, as would be for Bill Murray, mm -hmm. you know? Um, and, and they're all the, the the crazy thing I think about the story too is usually if you line up a person's exes, you could see a commonality to them. Right. Right. His exes are just all over the map. Right. Right. right? Between uh, Jessica Lange and Tilda Swinton and Francis Conroy, they yep. are just so yep. 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 very different in this movie. And, and I, I do love it. I, I wish it's, it's a great of, movie. It's I would a love great to double movie. feature it just to kind of have people move on to that it's, one and be like, great all movie. right, now let's see what he does when he's doing right. Yeah, yeah You know, yeah, that was yeah, a rough yeah, draft. Yeah, yeah. yeah that's let's go to finish copy. Barely a first draft, yeah. really. Uh, what was one? You said you had one more. The other one was uh, another filmmaker that is uh, not quite a meme, but definitely has uh, a lot of things that he does over and over again, and he, and, and he gets criticized for it, but I don't ever really consider it criticism to complain about a filmmaker doing what they do all the time. Like that's what they do. That's yeah. their art uh, is Todd Salons. Uh, I don't know if you, uh, you know, yeah, Todd Salons, yeah, yeah. welcome to the dollhouse, happiness, storytelling. Uh, he always gets much like Jarmusch. He gets a lot of big names in a movie that is going to piss a lot of people off. Yeah. And, and he always he aggressively makes, makes people at their ugliest. I was going to say, um, he makes ugly stories. Right, right, right. And he revels in the suburban nature of these things. He's like the anti-Spielberg yeah. when it comes to suburbs. But anyways, Wiener Dog is the other movie that I would compare this to. Okay. Wiener Dog is, it, it's, it's a pretty good movie. Okay. It's a mediocre Todd Salons movie. Um, I mean, oddly enough, the poster looks like it's a freaking Noah Baumbach film. Yeah, maybe. And I think I did maybe. think it was a Noah Baumbach because I mean, it's yeah. got the, it's got the Woody Allen uh, font, the, like the, whatever that that Garamond font that mm -hmm. Woody Allen usually uses for his movies. It's very stark. It's just got the back end of Wiener of Dashend. Um, yeah, like if you showed me this, I'd be like, oh, we're gonna watch. But it's also all of his previous actors, right? In one movie because right. it's very, it's like. You know, the dog goes from family to family to family. Okay. And then he brings in characters from other movies. Mm. Uh, you know, I feel he's kind of doing that a little bit with Selena Gomez and, and, and whatever. You're bringing all the yeah. Selena Gomez stuff in with it. Right. Um, and so he brings in Don Wiener, and, which, is, which is weirdly the character name <laughs> of the girl. No relation to the title here. But yeah. anyway, but it is. Kind of, that was her nickname, though, in the other thing. Anyway, so and it's, it's okay. And it's solid, but it's like, 
Is it an ugly movie? Like the same oh, way is. that's it's very it's nasty. Okay, oh, it's like, nasty. Because that's the thing. Like I it's remember nasty, nasty. like sitting through stuff like Welcome to the Dollhouse and uh, I think Happiness as well. But there, there's another one that, of his that I've seen and just palindrome. Like, yeah, coming away from it just really feeling icky. Yeah, that's just what he does. He does it really well though, <laughs> and and I feel like this is like a. Like the first drafty one. It's like, oh, okay. I, someone needs content. Yeah. And, you know, I'll, I'll, I'll get it with the next movie, but to keep the pipe purged and whatever, I got to make something. Yeah. And uh, sometimes you get a Chunking Express, right. which is like rewrites so many rules and, and, and sometimes you get Wiener Dog. <laughs> <laughs> that's, I mean, that, that's a good way to put it. Um, I mean, like the other thing about like looking over the the work of Wiener Dog is it has Tracy Letts in it, and I'm a big fan of Tracy Letts. Yep, Tracy um, Letts is kind but, of in everything a lot lately. He's yeah, I mean, as an actor, is hilarious because he's a writer. Yeah, I was gonna say like, foremost. dude, crank out some more plays. You yeah, know? yeah, yeah, yeah. Just, But he likes showing up and stuff. Clearly, he's great. I mean, he's he's in some Latter Day Spielberg. It's 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 amazing. He always Tracy looks like Letts a really great. overweight uh, Jeff Daniels. He does. It's, uh, you get, like, <laughs> it's confusing. It's like, yeah, like, like holy like, Jeff Daniels put on a lot of weight, and you know when he shows up in a uh like in a, a noah bombback movie you're like okay this is getting weird yeah um, <laughs> this is like dating the same people like is, you know what i mean it <laughs> is now so the one i mean the one movie that i gotta throw out there that makes a neat little companion um is the coen brothers talk about lesser from from an oeuvre the coen brothers man who wasn't there because you also in that movie had this weird little diversion where a spaceship shows yeah, up. For a it's, it's funny. It's <laughs> you know? a nice little Just, yeah, dee. yeah, and then, and, then, and then that's it, and then yeah. off it goes. Yeah, you yeah, know, yeah, yeah. Um, so so I like that. It's also very deadpan. Even oh, yeah. by Coen Brothers, like Billy Bob Thornton yeah. never raises his voice. Yeah. And there's dry, and then there's like dust. That's dust. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, that's dust, but the other yeah. one I did think of for another side, and, and it, it's going to seem like a weird comparison, but I like that I'm talking about it now because by the time this week this show goes up, it'll be the week of the fourth of July. I did think about Jaws as a comparison film because that is bizarre. Stay with please. me, please, because you have in Jaws the whole first act of the movie and part of the second act of the movie. Two people saying bad shit is about to happen. Yeah, right. And then they have to bad go do it. Bad shit is about to happen, and the whole town is like, "No, we're fine. We're good. Yep. It's okay. That's another problem. No, we're good. you know the same." It's way. climate change again. Yeah, you know, like they are not like not quite so. Uh, they're not doing the same thing that Adam Driver is doing, but they really are over and over saying this is going to end. This is the problem. Yeah, 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 yeah. You know, so I, I think as far as a film that is a metaphor for somebody sounding the warning bell somebody literally yelling shark and the yeah. whole town going we're good you yeah. know i think that that part of jaws i think is is really underrated in terms of it works for there's all a lot of there's a lot of stuff in jaws that yeah. I, even in a, a movie is talked about as jaws yeah. and everybody's put their two cents on pretty much every scene in that movie but for a big blockbuster at the time and by all accounts like a pretty mediocre novel yeah uh it it is a uh it, it's a movie that's aged extremely well. Yeah, it's, it's, I mean, I, I like in Jaws that it's two outsiders that are saying this is a problem. Uh -huh. And everybody in the community is like, eh. Yeah. You know, the, it, it's kind of the same way the world works now. You know, you'll have somebody who's studied something. Right. Which is not that's a standard. Yeah, community yeah, yeah, yeah. Saying what you are doing here in your community is going to be a problem. And everybody right. in the community is like, eh. This is the way it's been. Yeah, no, we're, we're it's good. worked out pretty yeah, well. Yeah, they gave us money. You know, it's 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 good. The other thing, I mean, 
the 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 tweet that was going around for uh, for, for several months now that I love that's actually really key about Jaws is in relation to uh, to modern to, to current politics. People say, in case you don't think that voting is important, please note the mayor in Jaws is still the mayor in Jaws too. Yeah, oh yeah, that's funny. No, I never noticed. I never saw that. Yeah, like that, like that kind of thing, you know. I, I, I must admit, uh, we never talked about it in the main conversation about uh, the dead don't die. But I do like the way because of several zombie movies. There's been such a 50, 60, 60 years of the modern zombie, yeah. like Night of the Living Dead yeah. onward. There's obviously, you know, I'm, I'm, you know, I walked with a zombie yeah, and, and yeah. White Zombie, the the the, the, the Bela Lugosi movies from before, but the modern zombie starts at Night of the Living Dead and goes forward, and that's what this movie is doing. And so, a lot of modern movies, the characters are aware of what zombie films are, so they have to like talk about whether or not they're going to say it. The way Adam Driver in that movie is like. I'm thinking zombies. Like I just, there's yeah. not many actors that can deliver that properly. Yeah. Like it's just, I'm just going to have to go with it. Like it is that see. And that's why, that's why I can't throw this movie under the no. bus. There's so much of that. Yeah. In the movie. Yeah. Like that is a delight. This is what happens it's when a, you, when you get mess. this yeah. many actors yeah. that are operating so far above material. Yeah. Yeah, like this, that they're in. That they're, 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 um, <laughs> one more that I'll throw out there. Sure. I, I swear to God, I'm one of the very few people who have ever seen this movie, and I don't mean to sound like I'm patting myself on the back because it's not really good, but it's it's got a couple things about it that I love. There's a movie out there called One of the Dead. Yes. Have you seen it? I have. I own it. Holy shit. On Blu-ray, my oh friend. Oh, my God. It's a yep. Cuban yep. zombie yep. movie. Yeah, 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 And what I love about that movie so much, along with the fact that... <laughs> I know Juan, where you're going with this. Along with the fact that Juan himself actually asks the group if they know the difference between the fast zombies and the slow, and the slow yep. zombies, and how he was really looking forward to getting the answer to that, is that the Cuban government... Yeah frames the zombies as they're not zombies they are political dissidents right political dissidents you know i knew you were going there that whole idea that the world is burning and you know we can smell the smoke but kind of like the marion it also takes a long time and and it turns the jaws thing on its head it takes a long time for the residents of one of the dead to accept that they're zombies because the government's always lying to them yeah so they're like like, of course they're saying this they say this every week yeah one like it's, it's like one comes out of his front door. He's like, these look awful well-fed to be dissidents. Yeah. <laughs> and for that matter, it, it does tie nicely in with this movie because a huge chunk of one of the dead is them sitting on that roof. Yeah. Like they have their roof that they go to hang out with all the empty bottles right. and they just hang out yeah. and they're like, yeah, it's a zombie apocalypse, but where are we going to go? Yeah. Uh, we're going to just continue to hang out on the roof on in thing. the same way with the farmhouse in the same way with, um, the pub, yeah, in, in, yeah, in, yeah. you know, because yeah, one of the dead is a clear, clearly, yeah, 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 exactly, uh, exactly, I, I, exactly. You must be the first other person yeah. I've talked to. Yeah, that's yeah, seen yeah. One of them, well, yeah. My children have seen it too. Oh, We've man. all that was one of our family movie nights. Oh, it it's, a lovely, it's, right a lovely movie. it's a lovely movie. It's a lovely movie. I might borrow that from you. Yeah, I yeah, yeah. I, 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 I picked it up because I was waiting for forever to come to like Netflix because Netflix seems to be mostly documentaries and zombie movies. Um, and and you know their original content, but but I mean if you're in there for like the old like. 1980s HBO there ain't Not there, there ain't much yeah. but in all fairness 
And uh, I still think this is my favorite Dennis Miller joke of all time. In the 80s, when he's talking about HBO, he's like, do you know what HBO stands for? Right. Yeah. Hey, Beastmaster's on. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> Just like, that's, that's exactly, one, yeah. that's exactly it. But anyway... And amazingly, it never did come to Netflix. No. So I'm like, screw it. I'll just have to buy it. It played TIFF, believe it, it or not. That, it that played, is that where you saw it? it? Okay. That was, yeah. But and then it never surfaced. I mean, it was like, I, I don't imagine a Cuban film is gonna, that's not called The Broken, the, the, the Buena Vista Social Club, is going to get a whole lot of traction. It's right. just not the way the world is set up right now. So, but I was hoping at some point or another it was going to surface no, somewhere. It's, it's a fun little movie and uh, it, it just, uh, it does lean in i don't know it, it leans into the, the the cuban politics and my well, my favorite I, it's not a spoiler because it's it's like the point of the movie is uh even though cuba is completely overrun by zombies and they they escape and they're like yeah but it's our all of its problems we we still kind of like the place and so they come <laughs> back i mean that's I don't know if you get that in this movie yeah. like where no. they, they, i don't think the residents overly Give it because they, they, I mean, they associate the town halfway between Tom Waits and Steve Buscemi, both pretty vile, yeah, characters. Even though Tom Waits is ostensibly our narrator, I really thought when you said Coen Brothers, you were going to say Buster Scruggs, and that Tom Waits literally wandered out of that movie and into this one. <laughs> I'm just saying, no, no, but I mean, that, that is a good one. Uh, that is episode 226 of the Matinee Cast. I want to thank Kurt Halfyard for coming by. Come on back for episode 227. We will be discussing Midsummer. You've seen it. I know. Uh, I, I, Midsummer's a hard movie to talk about. Awesome. Can't wait. Um, Kurt can still be found writing on uh, Screen Anarchy. Uh, anything coming up? So you're writing about Midsummer? I am, I'm at Fantasia, so Sorry, there'll yeah. be a lot of Fantasia coverage oh, okay. uh, um, in the next couple weeks. Are you writing about Midsummer or have you written about Midsummer? I, I have not, and I probably won't be. Uh, my relationship with Midsummer is rather complicated. Interesting. Uh, well, part, and partly because The Wicker Man is one of my favorite horror ah, movies of all time it's okay. it's in the the, the, the two that yeah. both came out in the wow. same year on a double bill which is insane don't look now and wicker man and this is like so much wicker man that you're like okay. Mm. Okay. but if you uh yeah it it's my interesting. relationship with the wicker it, man is much more distant so maybe i'll the, my only quote because i'm not writing about it anywhere so I, i'm going to squeeze it into the uh, and it's not a spoiler if hereditary if you're a john borman fan ari aster is that the director's yeah. name if if hereditary is his deliverance yeah. midsummer is his zardoz oh, so no. I, for some people that's a compliment not for other video, people that but, is a oh, that is a prescription to run 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 red, run run away flag, so flag. Take that as you will. Danger will. Take rise. that as you will. Uh, where can people find you on Twitter? Uh, I they can't really because oh. I'm not really on there. Well, I, I mean, I technically, I technically have an account but at Triflick, uh, but I never ever look at it. Gotcha. Twitter's the one social media that I've thrown under the bus. Fair enough. Not not a bad idea. Um, well, and uh, you can find Kurt other ways. Uh, my site is thematinee.ca for more audio content. You can find back episodes by going to thematinee.ca/podcasting. You can also find them on Spotify, Stitcher Radio, Blueberry, uh, Apple's podcast app, and the iTunes Store or whatever is replacing it now everything gives you handy ways to subscribe for free and get alerts when new episodes drop again if there's a platform that you use that, that does not have my show let me know and i will put it there uh feedback on the dead don't die or any of the other movies we talked about today can be left at uh ryan at the matinee.ca you can tweet me because i still am on twitter matinee underscore ca or facebook.com slash dark matinee
Any final thoughts, buddy? No, but thank you for having me very, very much. It's always a pleasure to come. And I feel like we're just at a bar <laughs> shooting <laughs> I, I, you know, if, if, the bull. I was going to say, if, if there were quieter bars in Toronto, I would record this on the scene and kind of fill that memo void that right 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 more or less closed up shop absolutely but, uh, you know another it, row it, three casualties it gets, uh, gets loud those um, it gets that that being said i i will throw this out here um in in the interest of uh, of a plug uh my good friend andrew james who's been on this show yeah. several times um and you've been our show on our show all the time you um uh he is coming with me to Fantasia. Oh, he may have a microphone in his pocket. I don't know. Well, I mean, I know you at least have a microphone in your electronic phone device mm-hmm. that you can always so use for that. So there will be a lot of us drinking, and uh, he's staying in my like place yeah. uh, when I'm in Montreal. So maybe. Don't tease me, man. For Kurt, I'm Ryan. I'll see you at the matinee. But the dead still be walking around In this old world alone I'm laughing, life is over The afterlife goes on I'm laughing, life